Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Gospel Saving Church. Praise God, I'm so glad you're here. If this is your first time listening, hello, I'm Pastor Ed, and I come to you from Gospel Saving Church here in McKinney, Texas. And this is one of God's true churches of these last days. We broadcast our weekly broadcast of truth from God's Word. Uh, I hope you didn't come today to be entertained, for I'm not an entertainer. I teach the Word of God, for the Word of God is the only real solid rock that we have to stand on other than Jesus Christ. Not, not entertainment, not movies, not, not videos. We can stand on Christ and we can stand on His Word. So if you guys want to join me in a word of prayer, please. We always start with a word of prayer to ask God to help us understand His Word. So uh, if you join me, please, let's ask for the Lord's blessing. So Lord, we, we thank You and we love You and we praise You, God. We, we thank You for giving us a brand new day, another brand new day, uh, a gorgeous brand new day, Lord God. No, for, for no, Lord, no matter what the weather's like or where we're at, whether it's hot or whether it's cold, Lord God, it, it's a perfect temperature in you and walking underneath your umbrella and having fellowship with you, Lord God. And it doesn't matter what the temperature's doing or how good or bad people are being or how negative people are toward the situations in life and the government and president and all that stuff, Lord, in you, Lord, the president, or in you, Lord God, the temperature is always perfect, Lord, in you. The, the seas are always still, and the streams are always perfectly still, and the storms are all calmed, Lord, and we, we thank you, Lord God, and we thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. We ask that you bless this uh, sermon to our minds, Lord God, and to our hearts. We ask you to help us understand it, help us understand your word and what you have to say to us, Lord, and we, uh, we just thank you, Lord God, that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, that we have it. So we know how to walk and where to walk and what dangers to stay away from, Lord. And help us, Lord God. Help us, those of us that are yours, to walk with you closer. And, and I pray for those that are not yours, Lord God, that you would help them to come to know you, Lord God, even through the preaching of this message. We love you and praise you. And we ask these things in Jesus Christ's mighty name. Amen. So we're going to be in Acts chapter 15 today. Actually, the very last part of Acts chapter 15. We're going to be in verses 36 through 41. I'll give you a moment to open up your Bibles. It's a glorious day, is it not? Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. we got another beautiful day to live and move and breathe in Him. For Everybody does, but not everybody acknowledges that they do. So that's a shame. For, for without Him, we, we wouldn't even have air. He made our perfect environment to have, have air and breathe and our hearts to beat. And Praise the Lord, man. I'll tell you what. Anyway, the title of our sermon today... A little bit of a variant of one I taught back in Acts chapter 2, a little similar. The title is In the Church. Once again, a little different than Acts chapter 2, The Church. In the Church, and you'll see why that we're titled that way as we continue to go along. Acts chapter 15, 36 through 41, I'm going to read it. And if you guys want to follow along or just listen along, whichever you'd like, it's up to you. Acts chapter 15, 36 says this. Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Now Barnabas was determined to take with them John called Mark, but Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamplonia and had not gone with them to the work. Then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. 
Now, remember, Paul and Barnabas had just had that huge to-do we just studied last week with those, those, those false prophets, those devils coming in, teaching the devil's doctrine. Remember, uh, unless you keep the law, unless you're circumcised, unless you do all these things, these good works of the law, you can't be saved. And, and, and we know that that's the devil's doctrine because the devil always wants to tell us Christ is not enough. When the Bible clearly says that Christ is all that we need. In fact, re remember what God spoke to Moses back in the Old Testament, right? When Moses, he was going to go to the children of Israel, and God said to him, Moses, well, who, who should I say sent me? And Moses said, tell him I am sent you. T tell him I am. I am means I am everything you need. And of course, Jesus Christ is God, so he is everything that we need. And of course, his work on the cross finished all work needed for anyone to be saved, period, the end. And remember, because they came to teach the devil's doctrine, Paul and Barnabas go through and correct the correct accountability channels to prove to the leadership in that church, Antioch, you know, being accountable to one another, that these false prophets that came to them as so-called disguised as Christian brothers, that they really were the devils and they were not sent from God. Uh, the main apostles in that church in Jerusalem settle the matter, sending uh, the letter destroying the devil's doctrine, and that's that. They move on. Well, after all this happened, Scripture tells us that Paul and Barnabas didn't go back to the main Christian church in Jerusalem, but they stayed in Antioch, along with another Christian man named Silas, right, to teach the Christians in the Antioch the word of the Lord, and of course to set them straight on their correct doctrine. And the Scripture states that they stayed there for a long time. Now, fast forward all the way now, read Acts 15.36 with me. Our first verse today, we see that they didn't just stay in Antioch for a day, or even for a few days, or even for a few weeks, uh, after the devils were exposed, Acts 15, 36, then after some days. You see, it wasn't just for a moment. It wasn't just for a little while. It was after some days. That term references the fact that they were there, kind of this was their home church. This is where God had planted them. This is where God had said, hey, be here. This is where I want you. So they were there after some days. Uh, so Paul says to Barnabas after some days, so after they're there for a while, he says, let us now go back and visit our brother in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they were doing. So Paul and Barnabas and Silas are there ministering in the church. Get it? In the church. That's, that saying was so prevalent in the scripture. I was praying for a title and God said, there, there you go, in the church. Uh, for many days, an extended time reference. So think of this as Paul and Barnabas and Silas's. This was their home church. This is where they did all the work of the Lord. This is where they ministered for the Lord. Um, now think of this. After some days, and what have we been reading about even for a while in Acts? What have Paul and Barnabas been doing for some time in this church in Antioch? Well, they went from this church and they went on evangelistic travels and they got people saved and then they got all the way back to the church and they were like, well, let's go back to what? To evangelize again? No. They went back to be in the churches to help the churches that they planted grow and help them grow and in, in, in the Lord and walk with the Lord and so on and so forth. See how important Paul thought the church was? The literal church building with the structure of leadership and everything. See how important it was? They were there in Antioch to teach, build up, strengthen, and I'm sure encourage those in the literal church in Antioch. And then after all this work in the church in Antioch, get this, because this is something God showed me, something I'd, 
I'd never really seen in the book of Acts. Paul gets a bug from the Lord, I'm sure, and he wants to move outside the walls of the church of Antioch uh, to go evangelize. No, not quite. He wants to go back to the churches that they already planted from his home church and, and go back and visit their brethren in every city where they had preached the word of the Lord and see how they were doing. They were going to go back through the churches that they had already planted and they were going to help those churches out too. Now, the big point that God showed me here, Paul had a heart for the lost 100%. I mean, that is totally, totally, totally seen in Scripture. And he did a lot of work on the mission field for evangelism. And nobody's going to doubt that. Nobody, in fact, for up until this sermon, I, I always looked at Paul as the great evangelist, Apostle Paul. I mean, the, 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 the Apostle Paul that went and planted, that planted churches, you know, preached the gospel, you know, did this, did that. And he, I always thought of him on the mission field. But, and this is a huge but, he also loved, served, and did a lot, if not most, of the work of the ministry that he did for God's literal church. The literal church building church. The literal organized Christian church religion in the church with the leadership, with the structure of the church, with leading the church members, the Christian church members. He probably did more work inside the church than he actually did going outside of the church. And I want to put your mind toward, if you have a doubt on that, think of the epistles. We all know the epistles. Well, most of the epistles were Pauline epistles, they're called. What does that mean, Pauline? That means Paul wrote them, or, or somebody listened to Paul and they wrote them for him. Well, who were those letters to? Were they to the lost? Well, the lost can read them to see God, but were they written specifically to the lost? No. They were written to the church. The church is to Christians in the churches. They were written to them. And, and what do we see? Paul wrote all these letters, not for evangelism, but to build up the church. Everybody knows Paul is the great evangelist to the lost. And he was a very notable for doing this. But as I've been noticing, as I just said, there's huge section of scriptures in Acts and the epistles where we see him that he does, he did a huge amount of his work inside the literal church to build up those that had come to be saved and those that had walked with Jesus Christ. And this idea is the main reason why Luke even began to record this section of Scripture for us to, to, to begin with. He, he starts out with, after they were in this church for some days, they, talking about how he's still in the church. Luke is showing us Paul's heart for his Christian brethren in the church. Not for the lost at this time, and not for a, a huge time, And again, in the whole book of Acts. Now, unfortunately, we have those today that don't believe in the literal church. The literal, organized Christian religion that has the church that goes with it. The literal building. The literal structure of leadership. Uh, the, the literal hierarchy. And then the members that are underneath the leadership. And then people serving in the church. A, lot, a growing, a, a sadly growing number in our world believe that, well, we're just all part of the body of Christ around the whole world. And... I don't need church, and, and God never said in his word, go to church, and, and, we, and we don't have that, but, but yet, as scripture says here, they're wrong. Now, I did a whole sermon on this back in Acts chapter 2 called The 
church. Listen to what God showed me then, and it even lines up for what we're talking about with Paul today. Acts 2, 42 through 46 says this, and I'm going to make some points as I go on. This is about the brand new church. This is before the Apostle Paul was even part of the church. He was still a, a, a heathen religious Pharisee that was attacking the church, actually. This is right around the time that Stephen was stoned by Paul's approval. And so this is the very first, like, practical days, weeks, months, and years of the literal church that Christ started through the apostles. Listen to this, 42 through 46. Listen to what they did here. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. What is that? What's the apostles' doctrine? <laughs> the apostles' doctrine meant that there were leaders. They, were, they had a leadership in this church. They had people that were in charge, people that others reported to, people that ran the church. Remember the distribution to the widows. That went through the apostles, the main leaders. You'd call them the pastors of this church. So they had a leadership. They said they continued in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. They got together. We at Gospel Saving Church, we have fellowship nights. We get together. We talk about things of the Lord. We're outside of the church, but it's still kind of a, because of the church, that's why we're together. In the breaking of bread, he's talking about having communion. Well, every time we come together here at Gospel Saving Church, we have communion for church uh, and in prayers. They prayed together. Sounds like things that you do in church with leadership and so but you say pastor see you know they don't have a building see they didn't have a building well, let's keep reading look at verse 43 then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles now who believed were together had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as any had need 46 so continuing daily with one accord in the what in, in just the gathering of whoever decided to get together at some time, you know, wherever, and we just have coffee or a latte, and we get around and we talk about philosophy and Jesus. And No! So continuing daily with one accord in the temple. Well, of course, at that time, they didn't have a church building like we do now. We use our home as a church, or thousands and thousands upon thousands of churches have buildings. They continued in the temple. The Christian faith was still new, but they still had a place to come and meet. They still had a doctrine of the apostles, which was the leadership the apostles were teaching as the pastors and the leaders. And there, they had home fellowships. They had break off from the church home fellowships. And verse 46, and breaking bread from house to house... That means they, they got together away from the church building and they even had church in their homes. But again, it all goes back to they had a leadership. They had a structured, organized, religious gathering place and they did things outside the church for the church. For the church. And then they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Anyone after reading that that contests the biblical ordination of the literal church of God, similar, now, now again, Aside from the apostasy that we've got going on, unfortunately, that the devil's brought into many false churches nowadays, similar to the way we see church today with all the components that we just read of there in our common orthodox or standard Christian churches that exist today. And if you believe that there's not, you can't be really reading your Bible. You can't. If you don't believe in a literal church, then, then you're making your own Jefferson Bible. And what the, it's called the Jeffersonian Bible. What do I talk about that for? Uh, Jefferson's a, well, I'm, I only want to pick here and pick there. I, it's like a buffet. 
I go to the Word of God and I just get to pick this word. Oh, oh I don't like those verses, so I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna believe them. I, I just go to the Word of God and I just pick the ones that I like. The ones that make me feel good, the ones that allow me to live any kind of life I want. But hey, bless the Lord, Jesus came and died, and bless God, right? Well, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that the whole Word of God is the counsel of God, and it's all God's Word, not just bits and pieces of it. So, and we can't just take bits and pieces of it. We got to take the whole counsel of the Word of God. But there's even more evidence, as I, I already mentioned, about the epistles. Look at the epistles. Every epistle of Paul, except for maybe one, was written to the church. Let's go on. Let's even think of Jesus Christ in Revelation. Well, just go to Revelation chapters 1, 2, and 3. Uh, let's think about this. Jesus Christ to the angel of the church of Sardis. The church. Now, was he talking about the group of people that lived all over the world that were considered the church? In the church? Oh my goodness, he's talking to a group of believers gathered together like we do every Sunday morning. We get together and we have church where there's a leader and there's worship and we have tithing and we have this and we have that and we eat together and we break bread and we, we go to places and we do... this. It's a church. It's not... We just gather together and we just do whatever. It, this literally a building with literally a church structure and leadership and everything. And if you go to the epistles, you go to, you'll see the literal church. So it, it's just ridiculous to think that literal, organized, religious Christian gatherings in a church with leadership is just is, is not, is not biblical. Christians, the literal Christian church building and leadership, the organized religion is ordained by God. And we see it all throughout the New Testament. So please... Get into the Word and, and look at it like this. Stop looking at it and just taking bits and pieces. Get into it and take the whole thing as the whole counsel of God. Exegetically, taking exactly what the Word says. And if you're not in a church today, be praying, asking God and visiting some churches and say, God, where do you want me? Where do you want me to go to church? Because church God made for us. He made it so, so that we could be together and, and we could be united together in a common goal and a common place and with, 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 with organization and with, and with structure. Because without structure, without just, just whatever we want to do, what is there? That, that's anarchy. Without rules and laws and somebody to enforce the rules and laws, to lead people in rules and laws and ways, what do you have? You have anarchy. And God didn't make the church so that people now could have anarchy. So please, 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 please get out there, pray, visit on. We'll talk more about that later. So it was in the midst, let's move on for now. It was in the midst of Paul's heart, the heart that God gave him to build up the churches he planted throughout their evangel evangelistic journeys, that we have the unfortunate happenings that transpire in the rest of our section today. Look at verses 37 and 38. Now Barnabas was determined to take with them John, called Mark, but Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamplonia and had not gone with them to do the work. So if you remember, because Scripture just brings it up just now, early on in their work for God, our main workers were Paul, Barnabas, and we, they had a helper, John Mark. You, you may be like, well, where is that at? I don't, I, don't, I don't remember where that's at. Well, that's in Acts chapter 13, when they had first started out on their first evangelical journeys for God, right? The ones that took them to a lot of cities and they got a lot of people saved and, and so on and so forth. 
This John Mark is the same one believed to be the writer of the Gospel of Mark. And as Paul just reminded us and Barnabas, uh, John Mark didn't continue with him and Barnabas for long. He bailed out of them not long after they started. He leaves them hanging and he goes back to Jerusalem to the main church and he abandons them. Sadly, they were depending on John Mark to help them. As Acts chapter 13 said, he just wasn't up for the task. And in case you didn't know, if you have never been in, I encourage you to get in. When you go to those churches that I, that I told you you should be in, you should get involved in ministry. And ministry, though, is what God has planned for you. But let me tell you what, just like your job, it's maybe fun to begin with, but once you continue on your job, your job gets hard. And jobs are tough to cons- consistently continue to go, right? Throughout the many years of ministry that I've had in churches with different Christians, when I st- God had laid on my heart to start different ministries here and there, always the first week or the first month of that ministry, man, people were on fire and coming. And then, you know, as the time wind on and we kept going for months and months and months and months and years, because I... Whatever God tells me to do, I just keep doing it, you know, until he tells me to do something else. That's just the kind of person I am for the Lord. Well, as time goes on, usually those numbers start to dwindle. If you started out a ministry with 20 people, after about two or three months later, maybe you got 10. And two or three months after that, maybe you got five. And two or three months after that, maybe you got two or three. And so I'm not talking about the donut ministry now. I'm talking about evangelism and the prayer ministry. Everybody wants the donut ministry. Everybody wants the, everybody wants the lunch ministry. Oh, I help out with lunch. I help out with lunch. Oh, but let's go reach the lost for Christ. Oh, oh, my, oh this trick back. Oh, oh, well, yeah, the wife and the house, and I got the, the, the plumbing that broke. Oh, my toenail. Oh, my, my, got a hangnail. Next week, Pastor Ed. Next, next week. Anyway. Oh, boy. <laughs> Anyway, fast forward to today, getting back to our second scripture. Fast forward today, Acts 15, in the church, in Antioch, in the church. And it looks like John Mark had come back to our brave apostles, Paul and Barnabas. And he's hanging out there at that church, probably learning and hopefully serving in this church. And, and as Paul tells Barnabas here, his vision of the next journey that the Lord's wanting to send him on, the first person that Barnabas wants to bring along with him, because, you know, Ministers and leaders need helpers. The first person that Barnabas wants to bring along is John Mark. And, uh, you know, I hate to jump on this again, but we're going to have a little section again, and I'm not sure why. Uh, Ministry is is really, I'm I'm talking about evangelism, talking about travel, ministering, teaching. These things are like spiritual war. Okay, this, this is not, like I said, this is not the easy ministry. This is, this is hard ministry. This is, this is sleeplessness. This is the cold. This is the travel, the weariness, the staying in places that aren't your own, hard times to sleep. And, and as you minister, you, in these hard times and in difficult times of ministry, you, you don't really want people next to you that, that are your personal assistants to be those that are weak of heart. And, and especially you don't want those that are deserters. Uh, remember when, when God was sending out the children of Israel and they had the hard ministry, right? And Gideon, and he was going to go defeat all these people. Well, God said, hey, Gideon, uh, go to the group and say, hey, if there's anybody that really just doesn't want to be here, send them home. Send them home. Why did God say that? Because <laughs> God doesn't want forced service. 
He wants you to serve him, but he wants, doesn't want you to force. He doesn't want forced service. Now, if you don't want to be there, if you really don't want to serve God, if you really don't want to tithe, if you really don't want to go to church, well, you know what? God says, uh, you know, I understand. I'm, I'm not happy with that. But I don't, I don't want you out there serving me if you can't serve me with a whole heart. And so Barnabas was both weak of heart, or I'm sorry, John Mark, excuse me, was both weak of heart and he was a deserter. Now, I think I know why Barnabas wanted to take him along. See, back in Acts chapter 4, Barnabas wasn't always Barnabas. Barnabas was a man called Joseph. That was his original name, Joseph. And back in Acts chapter 4, the name was given to him, son of encouragement, or Barnabas, because that was his spiritual gift, encouragement. That's what he did. So I can see his heart. Barnabas probably wanted to take John Mark along because he wanted to exhibit forgiveness and try to encourage John Mark to move past his wrong of leaving him and Paul back in Pamplonia. But, but that's just my guess because the scripture doesn't say. I'm just, just guessing. Barnabas encourager, putting the two together. But, you know, you may have another reason. Let's not get caught up on little, you know, little differences. Whatever reason Barnabas wanted to bring John Mark along, Paul wasn't buying it. And so verse 38 just told us that Paul insisted that they not take, basically, in the word I'll use, is the deserter. He said, hey, the one that left us, I'll say he, he didn't want to take along the deserter. He simply just probably wanted to go, he and Barnabas, hey, they had made it when John Mark left, no helper, and they were going to make it on still. He probably liked them. And you got to admit, they were a great team. Paul and Barnabas, they were like, man, they were like rock-hard soldiers for Christ. They were like the endurance champions, you know. And, and I, I can't blame Paul for his decision here. I think that Barnabas was making the decision upon emotion and love, which are good things, but I don't believe that Barnabas was using discernment. I, and I think Barnabas was acting without logic and discernment, while Paul, he was more of a strategic soldier general. He thought of things logistically, used his discernment, considered the cost of bringing along a proven deserter, and decided to not trust John Mark again for another trip. Uh, think of what was going on in Paul's mind. Number one, was Mark going to be faithful this time? Or, or was he, is he going to leave us again? I mean, you know, couldn't trust him the first time when things got hard. Uh, number two, was he going to be faithful to finish the course of the hard work of the ministry and travel and the hardcore lifestyle that comes along with these type of evangelistic journeys? You know, the travel and, the, the, again, the hardships that go along with it. Or when things got tough like they did in Pamplonia, was John Mark going to leave them again, leaving them desperately short somebody that they were, uh, that they were needing? Uh, you know, I'll, I'll be the first one to say this, and, and this maybe every leader, every pastor, every preacher don't want to say this, but a pastor or leader of God's church or doing anything for God is only as strong as his supporting cast is. I mean, no pastor, preacher, leader, nobody can do it all by themselves. We're only as good as those who help us. You know, Paul was only as great as Paul was because he had Barnabas. And Barnabas was a soldier for Christ. Paul gets another one here. As we read that he's going to take along Silas, Silas becomes a strong soldier for, for Paul, a good backup for Paul. But, but John Mark, he didn't prove himself to be a good, strong, supporting cast. He proved himself to be a coward, a, a deserter. Now, now, love and forgiveness are always the way to go with everyone. But Barnabas could have shown him love and forgiveness without jeopardizing their mission to the churches to go build them up. Listen, 
You can love and forgive someone, as I'm sure Paul did, because Paul knew the words of Christ. You know, if we can't forgive others, then, they, then God won't forgive us. But we're not supposed to just, for, like, open ourselves up blindly trusting that someone that's, that's already proven themselves not to be trustworthy. Uh, it, as wisdom says, that trust needs to be earned. Trust should not be given blindly. Uh, tr- if you want to be trusted, and we and we had this discussion even within my own family. Our trust has been broken, and things have happened, and and so trust. I'm a big preacher on trust has to be earned. You, you, nobody just gets to be trusted because they just show up and say, "Oh, here I am. Trust me." How do I know you're trustworthy? You, you could trust has to be earned. To me. Paul made the accurate call here while Barnabas was being led by emotion. Not sure your opinion on the subject, but I'd be interested to hear it. You can go to Gospel Saving Church website and you can email there. The email's on there, gospelsavingchurch at gmail.com. Anyway, I'd love to hear your opinion on this matter. But anyway, moving forward, who did those in the church in Antioch support? Did they support Paul? Or did they support Barnabas? Well, we'll talk about that in the next few verses because Scripture actually tells us. But before we get on to those in Antioch, what they thought, look at the sad result of their dispute. Read the first part of verse 39. So they were arguing, no, he can't come. No, he can't come. And Paul's, no, he can't come because look what he did. And he's just going to do that again. Barnabas, no, Paul, we need to forgive him. Come on, Paul, we need to forgive him. Well, first part of 39, then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. The terribly sad and horrible part of ministry that is so little talked about, period, the end, it really is. They couldn't agree, and so they parted ways. And so what did they do? They stopped ministering with one another. Uh, Again, this is terribly, terribly sad. And sadly, this happens more than anyone probably thinks nowadays. The modern Christian church has literally been torn apart Because people can't get along through their disagreements. Some disagreements are unavoidable. Some you're just going to have. I mean, Jesus says offenses are going to come, but woe to that one by who they come. Offenses are going to happen. That doesn't mean when offenses happen, we have to let those offenses separate us, though. Most times that that, that there's tears and splits apart, they don't have to happen but they do. Most disagreements, or the majority of them in the Christian faith, are minor doctrinal differences or issues that aren't salvific. That means they don't have to do anything with salvation, or who Christ is, or who God is, or, or, or you know, what God says plainly, you know, hey, obey me, or you know, a Christian is this, or things like that. They're, they're minor things. You know, should women have long hair? Should... Uh, you know, well, you know, well, well, you know, should women do this or should men do this or is it okay for us to do this? No, 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 they can't. Music. Oh no, we can't have instruments. No, 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 we can't. No, no, no. Well, well, this type of Christian worship is not allowed. No, no, no. This guy. Oh, that's it. I'm, I'm out of here. So many churches have split for stupid minor reasons that they could learn to agree to disagree. I love that term. Agree to disagree. They could learn to agree to disagree and move forward and just serve the Lord, but they don't. They let these little minor discrepancies in Scripture, their personal opinions, they they let them tear them apart. And so churches have been split, major splits, major, major church divisions because of this little problem of we can't get along. 
Again, this is a terrible problem in the church. The devil's found a mighty weapon against us, and he's had much success with it. Christians, we can't let little minor doctrinal opinions of Scripture destroy God's work that he wants to move in us in the church. Was Paul and Barnabas now, was their disagreement one that had to end in separation? Well, yes and no. And we're going to move into what the church in Antioch thought now. On the one side, it wasn't workable. So it was a yes, they had to split because there wasn't any way that Paul was going to budge and there wasn't any way that Barnabas was going to budge. They were both had their stubborn positions and they that was it and that was it. One said he was gone, one said he couldn't go and they couldn't agree and boom, they're out. On the no side, so it means to say that they didn't have to split They didn't have to split up. How and why? If one of them had listened to reason and wisely godly counsel and submitted to the ruling of the leadership of the church. How do we know what the leadership of the church thought about this matter? Look at the rest of verse 39 through 41. Not not sure if you've ever seen this before. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. So that's, that's, that's pretty much the end. But Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God, and he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So did you notice there that the scripture reads as only Paul and Silas were commended by the brethren to the grace of God? It wasn't all four of them. Only Paul and Silas. Barnabas takes John Mark, goes to the church he and Paul planted in the island of Cyprus, while Paul chooses Silas, the disciple that came down from Jerusalem, remember when all the devils came along and they tried to preach the, the, the false gospel of we need more than Jesus to be saved, right? And then he came down from Jerusalem, but he stayed. But that the scripture, as I said, only reads that Paul and Silas go out being commended by the grace of God, by the brethren of those heads or leaders of that church, okay? If only Paul and Silas were the only ones commended by those in the church for their mission, then Barnabas and John Mark weren't, and that means that those in that church in Antioch didn't agree with Barnabas taking John Mark just like Paul. Again, wisdom and wise counsel dictate that the trust must be earned. All trusts must be earned and not given away blindly. And if John Mark wanted to go out again with them, or Barnabas wanted to go that bad, wanted him to go that bad, then he, uh, John, needed to earn Paul and Barnabas' trust again. You know, he could have been faithful in that church for a time, uh, taking some guys, going out with some guys, doing evangelism. He could, he could have done that on his own and showed that he was trustworthy to actually stick with ministry rather than just being, hey, I'm back, so trust me again. No, that's not how trust works. This is wise and discerning judgment, uh, uh, what Paul did and not what Barnabas did. Barnabas didn't use wise discernment. The majority here, as I see the majority supporting Paul and Silas, the majority is not always right. But in this case, when you look at all the details that I've been talking about, all the different, you know, what happened and using wise judgment and looking at trust and love and everything, the actual majority is right here. And the majority was right not to put their blessing upon Barnabas and John Mark because that wasn't God's work. Uh, sadly, as far as the work of Paul and his journeys go from this point on, well, really it is sad. We, we never read that he and Barnabas ever worked together again. Scripture, Acts. 
We never read it, ever. As Barnabas' name is not mentioned, the entire rest of the book of Acts. And as far as even the epistles of Paul to the churches go, we don't even read of Barnabas in them as them working together ever again either. There are a few mentions of Barnabas' name in Paul's epistles to the churches, but mainly those mentions are before they split up because of John Mark in this situation. Christians' division is terrible, and I'm sure it breaks God's heart when it happens because it often happens in the church. Now listen, one of God's desires and his commandments for us is that we, his children, John 13, 34. I'm going to roll this all together now. Listen to this. Jesus said, a new commandment I give you. (laughs) That's not a suggestion. When you hear God or Christ say a commandment I give you, it's not like he's going... You know, if you guys really feel like it, you know, or, you know, if the sun and the moon are aligning just right today, or, you know, the whatever, you know, then maybe you can love one another. No. He says a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also, he says it twice, love one another. And listen. What kind of love did he have for us? He tells us in scripture he had the agape love, which is sacrificial love. Me and another brother were talking about that just last week. Remember, this love for him that he had for us caused him to lay down his life for us. To lay down his literal life for the world and die on the cross. Putting all we talked about together with what Christ said in John 13, plus now for us, how God wants us to live for him, Luke 6, 46, Jesus said this, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? Now, looking at all together with the sacrificial love of John 13, Christians, how can we be loving Jesus Christ and loving one another And not doing the things that he says and that he gives us as an example to do. Oh, sure. Speaking about inside the church, organized religion, Jesus Christ never told any of his followers, go to church. You won't find that verse. You won't find the verse. Jesus Christ said to his disciples, go to church. But, listen to this. He and the disciples modeled it for us and even had church together, both in and out of the building. Listen, they gathered together many times inside the synagogues of his day. They didn't shun the synagogue. The synagogue was the organized religion of that day. What did Jesus, they, the synagogue, Sunday came, or, or Saturday, excuse me, or Saturday came, they went to the synagogue. And they had church, and Jesus taught the people, and they, they, you know, they did things there. They had, they had discussions, religious discussions. Where? In the Jewish church of the day. If God was against organized religion, why did Jesus Christ go to the synagogues and have church? The church, the only church that they had at the time. Come on. He modeled it for us with his disciples. He even led, listen to this. If you believe that the apostles, the original apostles, were led by God and Christ, which I, if you don't even believe that, then I'd have to 
severely question your salvation because the Bible says that they were men that had contact with Christ personally and that he left them commandments and then they did it and then they followed his word throughout. Well, listen, he led the original apostles along with Paul to start literal churches with buildings and leadership, with pastors and leaders and elders who even received pay for what Jesus Christ told them to do. They were paid ministers. Don't muzzle an ox as it treads out the grain, as Paul spoke about one time, as leaders and pastors and and, and heads of churches getting a salary for what they did for God. For if that's the work that God calls you to, how can you have a family and support your family if you're not getting a paycheck? But if God gave you the work in the church to do, that means you don't have a, a, that is your job. Like I drive a, a school bus for a living. That's my job right now. God doesn't pay me through the church right now because we're little but once it happens god's going to open the doors one day and then it's going to happen i'm going to be paid by my church anyway these guys that's what they did so so christian now listen think of this again now how can you obey jesus christ and follow the what he and the disciples modeled and what they did and show him love and tell him you love him if you don't even go to church for whatever reason Luke 6, 46, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things I'll say? And then I'll add, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things that I modeled for you to do? That I gave you an example to do. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? Uh, again, Revelation twenty two sixteen, 16, Jesus says this about the church. I, Jesus, have sent my angel, this is the end of Revelation, to testify to these things in the churches. Now, now think about this in word. <laughs> did, did Jesus send his angel to every individual Christian around the world outside of an organized Christian religious place of worship to the inside of us? Is that what he's talking about here? Absolutely not. He says he sent his angel to these things in the churches, in the body, the groups of believers, the standard set up thing that God made for all Christians to go to. Please, he sent the angel to testify to those that were in the literal churches of God of that day. And even what? Today, right? Our gatherings together are here and other thousands of churches worldwide. Ephesians 5.25, husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Did you see the singular emphasis there husbands loves your love your wives meaning all husbands are supposed to love their individual wives just as christ loved the church the the church of god that he that he plants wherever god plants one of his churches one that's ordained by him god christ love his churches and and the way he speaks about him he and jesus christ want us to be a part of one and that's not open for discussion If you really do love Christ, then he expects that you be a part of a local congregation, a body of believers with leaders, pastors of that local religious Christian church. Uh, For you online listeners listening to me right now on a regular basis, I love you. And you know, you listen to me. Why? Because I speak the truth. Because I know, I know that people listen to me once in a while or here and there, or sometimes people come and listen once, but then they never come back. And I know why. Because I'll teach you what the Bible says. I'm not here to tickle your ears. I'm not here to make you feel good. I'm here to t- tell you the Word of God. And I'm here to tell you what God says in His Word and how to follow that. Uh, but, but now you, if you don't go to church but you listen to me on a regular basis, 
I love that you listen to me, but, and again, it's a huge but, if you don't go to and support a local church that's ordained by God, or, or, or if you're not even seeking one, you listening to me online doesn't look to God like you being in church. It just doesn't look to, that's not what God commanded. Listen to church on the internet. Now, this doesn't mean that God's unhappy with you listening. God wants you to listen. At least it's something. But God wants you to actually go and be a part of a literal Christian church somewhere in this world, being subject to the leaders there, the pastors there, the deacons there, the elders there, or you being one of those leaders, one of those pastors, one of those elders, one of those deacons, if, if that's what God has for you. And as far as John 13 goes, really it goes hand in hand with what Christ said in Luke 6. Remember, 1334 John, a new commandment I give to you. Again, not a suggestion that you love one another. And if you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And this is a, a sacrificial love and a commandment. Now, Christians, how can you as true believers really sacrificially love one another like Jesus Christ did for us and commanded us to do to one another if you are not gathered together in a local church being in one body and, 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 in, one, and in one church or, or a home church in the ways the Bible tells us that we should be or where you stop allowing yourselves to be separated by petty differences? Uh, being in that church as a leader, again, elder, deacon, pastor, a position, or helping the younger or less experienced believers walk with the Lord and helping them to know more, or you being one of those believers that needs to be under the leadership of a more experienced believer so you can grow in the ways of God and of His Word. Uh, these things are impossible to do, Christians, if we're not fulfilling the commandment of Christ to love one another the way He loved us, and that means that we stop letting ourselves be separated by petty differences in God's Word and, and minor differences in doctrine. The schism in the church today has never been greater in the history of all Christianity than it is right now. What happened between Paul and Barnabas is not really uncommon today, and it is a sad reality. They are, uh, there are now parting of ways by people from churches and by uh, People from one another, as Paul and Barnabas has in their case, and there are good reasons for them, and they are necessary sometimes. What are some good reasons that maybe we shouldn't be in a church if we're in a church and it's maybe not a church of God, and we, you know, we feel like God's saying, "Hey, get out of here. I have somewhere else to go." Well, here's just a couple, just a couple to think about. Number one, we have abuse. We have, if, if there's some sexual abuse going on, or there's some mental abuse, or some emotional abuse, or even some spiritual abuse that's going on in that church. And, and if the leaders do not correct this because you have approached them, like for instance, if we have some abuse going on, and we just go, oh, that's it, we're out. Well, then you can't really say that you fulfill what Jesus said. For Jesus said, when offenses happen, when, when problems happen between two, here's the steps that I want you to go take. It's, it's in the Gospel of Matthew, and I didn't, God's throwing this on my heart, I, I didn't put this in my notes now. But Jesus said, if you have a problem with somebody, go to that person directly and try to make right. If that person won't hear you, bring two or three others with you, go back to that same person. If they still won't receive the wrong, then go to the leadership of the church, and then let's talk to the leadership and let's get all together if they still won't even hear you, then he said they are as unbelievers to you. And again, this is why I say if there's some abuse going on, 
You've taken all the steps Christ told you to take. And you've gone here. But the leadership refuses to look past it. No, 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 well, yeah, well, whatever, whatever, whatever. Then yes, now is a good time to say, okay, God, where, where else do you want us to go? Because we know this, this can't be the place for you. That is an appropriate reason to have a break away from a church or from another individual in the Lord. Uh, number two. Uh, it has to do with salvific, uh, listing off why. Salvation, mainly uh, we look at the Catholic cult or the Mormon cult or the Jehovah Witness cult or the Calvinism cult, the true five-point Calvinist, uh, Calvinist uh, cult, and any church that teaches any type of works doctrine because, you see, these, these ideals that are found in these places that pretend to be Christian, uh, they, they change who Jesus is. Now, Jesus is not the only Savior. Uh, Jesus Christ is Satan's brother. Uh, Jesus Christ was just an angel, uh, a created angel by God. Well, we can't change who Jesus Christ is and still say that we're Christian. Christianity is based off the man of Christ who said, I am the Son of God. And I am God himself, John 1, 1, for the word, uh, for in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. We can't change who God is and still say that that's a Christian church. So if you find yourself in any of these cults, good time to bail out, go to a real church, a church that teaches God who he is, teaches accurate doctrine, not works doctrine. There's another reason, hey, we could say, you know what, it's not the church of God. Let me go to it. Let me find, God, lead me to a church that teaches your word and only your word and not their opinions and not these false doctrines. But now, even though those are some good reasons to leave a church or to break fellowship with one another, kind of like Paul and Barnabas did, even saying all that I did about the reasons for Christians having to part ways doesn't give a Christian the right to stop going to any church then oh well that church hurt me oh i went to that church and they, and they did this and it, it, it hurt me I, i'm done with church that church can't be a god well you know what just like in races and religions you know, some people are racist i'm not racist i just love everybody i love i don't want to read black white puerto rican spanish i don't care there's good people that try to do right in every, in, every, in every facet of race and whatnot, and there's bad people. There's people that give that race and that, that, that's, you know, kind of human being a bad name, and then there's people that give that kind of race a good name. Well, same thing with churches. Certain churches aren't giving God a good name. Churches do give God a good name. Certain churches don't. God, lead me to a place that gives you glory, that gives your name glory, one that teaches who you are. Now, that, again, doesn't give you the right, if you've been hurt in a church, to say, that's it, I'm done with church. I'm done with God's kids. I'm, done with, I'm all together. That is not the message of the Word. The Word says, love and forgive and do what I say. Do as I do, do as I say. John, uh, 1 John, those who say that they walk with Him, love Him, also ought to walk exactly as He walked. And how did Jesus Christ walk? He had fellowship. He had church. He had the breaking of the bread. He had the communion. He had everything. He had, he had church with his disciples. He had evangelism. He had everything. That should be the way a real Christian walks. Now, as, as far as parting and, and, and leaving a church goes, I, I've had actually quite a few. 
uh, quite a few. Where I, I've been abused in a church before, and the leadership didn't want to reconcile. I've had the, uh, a pastor try to abuse money, and I've taken the steps, and I've gone to that one, and then nothing happened. And then there's been times, like I said, when God said, we'll stay, and then it was good, and then all of a sudden it changed. And I've taken the steps, and then it didn't work, and then this is how Gospel Saving Church came about. We, God said, okay. I've been trying to show you, I want you to teach my word, just my word, exactly my word. Start the church, I'll provide, and so he has. But anyway, the Bible says that God Almighty and Jesus Christ ordained the church for Christians to be in the church. So if you are a real saved person, and you really want to, and you walk with God to make him happy, which should be your heart if you're a real Christian, then you must be involved in a church, in the church, in the literal organized religious place of a church that God Almighty and Jesus Christ ordains, and one that is a real church of His, or at least be trying to find one and praying about being in one. Maybe God's telling you to start a church like He did with me, and then if He did, He'll give you signs and wonders and miracles, and He'll provide for you to do that. But nevertheless, God wants His children in the church, hence the title. God wants his children in the church. Where are you today on this topic? Are you separated from a fellow brother or sister in Christ? Or are you separated from a church for some petty reason that's not salvific? Or, or even an, uh, a, not a, a not abuse issue like Paul and Barnabas did? They just separated because of petty differences? Or, or are you separated because of major differences? It really doesn't matter. If either one, if you're separated and you're not where God wants you to be, which is in the church, then you need to stop it. You need to stop it, and you need to repent, and you need to get back, and you need to reconcile with God on this issue. It takes you to humble yourself. It takes you to turn from the wicked way of individualism. For God did not call us to be alone. God looked upon all men after he made Adam, and he said, it's not good that man is alone. And so that goes for, hey, not only in marriage or not only have, having a, you know, buddies that we hang around with, Christian buddies that we hang around with, but that also goes for God's ordination of the church. <clears throat> God wants you to have reconciliation as 2 Corinthians 5.18, Paul says, Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Now you say, now Pastor Ed, I don't really think, I, you know, me and God got a, a deal. I don't, he understands me. He understands that I don't have to go to church. And you know what? I, I just don't want to go. Well, let me tell you. I, I hate to tell you this, but, but you're wrong. And if you're a real saved person, this is what God tells us, 1 Corinthians 6.20. You were bought with a price. If you really are God's, you don't have the choice to live for yourself anymore or not. You have to live for him. It, he bought you. You're supposed to be bought with the blood. If you want to walk with God, you've got to do things God's way. That's just it. If you're a lone soldier and you do things your way, who's your Lord? Who's your Lord? Are you your Lord? Because if you are and you do things your way, then Christ is not your Lord. Christ is not your Lord. You have to decide. I'm going to do things God's way or I'm not going to do things God's way. But you have to stop and you have to repent, and you have to get right and go to one of God's churches, the organized, structured church, for this is God's will for His children. 
Remember, all that the apostle did for the church, even outside of evangelism in the book of Acts, we read of him building up the church. Come on, Christians, you, you being in the church of God is his will for your life. Repent, really, and come back to the Lord and do what he wants. Now, you could fall into this category. Many today believe themselves to actually be children of God. But Jesus said that there's also many people that are deceived. And they think that they are. In fact, me and my youngest son were having this discussion this morning about people that say they're one thing and that they're not. And I was teasing him about this game that he likes to play. And I said, well, I'm a master at this game. And, and he said, oh, yeah. And I had never played a game in that game in my life where I was just, we were having a joke. I was playing a joke with him. And I said, I'm a, I'm a master at this game. And he said, oh, yeah, Dad. Well, well what does it mean in this game that da, 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 this and the other thing? And, of course, I had no idea because I had never played the game, not even one minute in my life. So I, was, I joked around. I, said, I mumbled under my breath and said some things didn't matter. He goes, well, see, I, I know because you have no idea that you never played that game. Well, now, many in the Christian faith, especially in America today, think that they're saved, but they're really not. They're deceived. And Jesus even told us. And so I have, I have a question for you, a real deep question for you. Jesus said this in Matthew 7, 21. I want to see what you think. And it can't be works, so get the works out of your mind. It's not works. We're not saved by works. We're saved by grace through faith. But how does that happen? Jesus said this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, now notice, you have to believe that you love Jesus Christ to call him Lord. Because Muslims don't call Jesus Lord. Buddhists don't call Jesus Lord. Hindus don't call Jesus Lord. And atheists don't call Jesus Lord. Only those that believe themselves to actually be loving Jesus Christ will call him Lord. But he just said, not everyone who calls me Lord, so not everyone that thinks that they love me actually loves me because they're not going to go to heaven. But he says this. Here's the one that shall go to heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. What's God's will not of works, for us to go to heaven. Can't say evangelism. Can't say, well, I love Jesus, because then I'm going to ask you what that means to love Jesus. What is God's will for mankind to go to heaven? Not of works. Now, think about that question and think. If you can't answer, what is God's will for salvation... How do I get saved? The very foundation. How do I come into a relationship with God? And, and, and that, that idea of doing His will, being outside of works, then how can you say that you really know the Lord? How do you know that you're not one of those that's going to stand before Him one day and say, Oh, Lord, Lord, and He's not going to go, Who are you again? I don't, I don't know you. See, I, no, you don't belong to me. How do you know you're not one of them? How do you know? What does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to love Jesus Christ? What does it mean to be saved? And if they're all, oh, I just believe in Jesus. Well, the Bible even says that the demons believe in Jesus. So it can't be a belief in Jesus because the demons even believe. And they're not saved. We know that for sure. So it's not belief in Jesus. And it's not a work because we know that we're not saved by works. What is God's will for salvation? And if you can't answer those questions, or, or if you're confused, then the Bible says that you're deceived. And so what, what God wants you to do, He wants you to go to His Word. He wants you to start opening up the New Testament. Because it's in the four Gospels for sure. I'll give you that hint just, just a little bit. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and say, God, 
Please show me what it really means to be saved, what it really means to be that I'm born again, because Lord, I'm not, I, I think I might be one of those who's going to come to you one day and say, Lord, Lord, and you're going to say, uh, you're not, get out. I never knew you. For not everyone who calls him Lord is going to go to heaven, but only those that do the will of the Father. What is that? Seek the Lord. Seek his face. Please, O oh man or woman, whoever you are, if you're not sure about those questions and you can't answer them biblically, without your opinion and outside of works, please, for the Lord desires that you seek Him for these answers. And the Lord desires you to be saved. So if you start seeking Him on these issues, He's going to come and He's going to help you with the process. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much, Lord God, for the, the message, Lord, in the church, Lord, uh, kind of similar to the church, Lord, as we read uh, some months back, Lord God, thank you. Thank you so much, Lord God, for even the wisdom that you showed me, how much work Paul actually did in the church, Lord God. He, he did a lot of work to get people saved, all to get him in the church. And then once they were in the church, he did a lot of work, Lord, every, almost every epistle, or if not every epistle, now that I'm thinking about it, Lord, was written to the church. Uh, where he was raising up actual leaders. So you don't have leaders unless you're in a church. You, you don't just have leaders and pastors paid positions of people that are outside the walls of an organized Christian church. Lord, you just don't have it. Groups of people that just gather together for coffee to talk about the Bible, that they're, they're not really having church because if there's not a leader and there's not structure, and there's not, that's not church. Now, the, the church is, is the specific organization Lord God, that you laid down for all Christians to be a part of. God, I pray for those that are listening to me today, your children that are really listening to me today, but they've been, their minds have been washed with this deluded society and the devil's tricked them and the hating and, and, and just not being loving toward their fellow brethren and get little schisms happen and then they leave. Lord, that's, that's the deception of the devil. And Lord, he's got us, he's got us by, the, by the nose hairs, Lord. And he, he's just destroying the church right now, Lord. So we just pray, Lord God, for them that are listening to me today, Lord, or even those that may be knowing somebody that won't come back to the church, Lord. And they're, they're, they love you, but they've been hurt. And Lord, I, I pray, dear God, for those people that, that you get them back in the church, Lord God. Not, not just as the worldwide church of God, Lord God, but, but in the church, actually living a life that's pleasing to you, Lord God. Please get them back in the church. And, and Lord, for those that are not part of the church, but they're also, they can't even answer the basic questions on salvation outside of works, which is not right. It's not a right answer, Lord. And those that maybe think that they're yours, or those that do think that they're yours, Lord, but they're not. God, I pray that you would open their hearts, touch their hearts, Lord God. Speak to their hearts today, right now, Lord God. And, and Lord, set them to seek you as you did a wonderful man that is still seeking you, Lord God. I just got a wonderful text message last night of a man I had a conversation with upon the same kind of thing. Is this, is this end of this sermon? And he's still seeking you, Lord God. He, he wants to know, Lord, please help them, Lord, to start to seek you, Lord, to show them that they're not right with you. Show them that they're deceived. And then, Lord God, help them to seek you. And then, Lord, lead them through that process like you did me and like you did every other child of God that's around the world that's really yours and bring them to the saving foot of the cross, Lord God. We thank you, and we love you, and we praise you. And we ask all these things in Jesus Christ's mighty name. Amen.